Thanks for joining me today as we look at the parables of Jesus. We all love a good story, don't we? Uh, we can think to a, maybe our favorite book, our favorite movie. Um, we use these medium to be entertained uh, through storytelling. Um, sometimes in our own life, we use stories uh, to uh, get a point across to other people. Um, sometimes we use it to uh, make our own life very dramatic uh, and to have feeling and emotion. Storytelling used to be just oral, um, where we passed down things so that the younger generation would learn something from the older generation, um, and there might be history involved, there might be a lesson involved, and uh, it wasn't until uh, maybe recently um, that we started using stories to uh, evoke emotion, to maybe entertain. And so if you think about stories today, you will think of being entertained, won't you? You'll think of your favorite book. You'll think of your favorite movie and the story that's being told in that and how you're being entertained, how you're being moved emotionally in that. I think we would be uh, mistaken if we approach the parables of Jesus as simply um, storytelling or we approach them um, so that we might be entertained. Jesus isn't using parables to entertain us. No, Jesus is doing what R.T. France points out in his commentary. He's using these stories, these parables, um, as very open-ended stories that will challenge the listener. You're left at the end of what Jesus says in his parable with making a decision, applying it, and doing something with it. So you can hear a story, one of your favorite stories, and never do anything with it. I had the opportunity the other day to try and explain to my eight-year-old child what it meant to be dramatic and what it meant to watch a movie that was categorized as drama. And that can be somewhat challenging for an eight-year-old to understand. We do the same thing with scripture sometimes when we come to these parables and we look to them or we hear the words of Christ as something that is entertaining us. But that's not the point of the parable. As a matter of fact, the parable, as we'll see here in just a few moments, is for the disciple, the one wanting to learn, wanting to take this story, uh, the teaching of Jesus, and applying it to their own life. R.T. France, again, in his commentary says, So parables, given without explanation, are open-ended. In a situation, some are open to truth and some are not. Parables, as imaginative challenge rather than simple proposition are an appropriate way to communicate new ideas. Jesus is using this parable idea as uh, presenting these new ideas, the coming of the kingdom. The kingdom of God is now at hand, and Jesus is introducing people to this um, idea of the kingdom of heaven and what that might look like and how that will impact the believer and impact the world, the one who hears it and believes. You know, a very good book on parables is that by Simon J. Kistemacher. Uh, Kistemacher does a really good job of categorizing parables, and I want to start there so that we can have a better understanding of interpretation as we go through these parables. The first uh, genre that he uses to categorize parables is true parables. He says these use an illustration from daily life within reach of anyone who hears the parable. In other words, it's something uh, that we can grasp very easily. It's something like when Jesus talks about a seed growing into a flower. 
or a seed growing and taking root. We can understand what that means. That's an illustration, very simply put, from daily life. We can understand what Jesus means when he talks about a sheep wandering from the flock or a woman losing a coin. And we'll look at all of these parables, but I just simply want you to understand a way to categorize these is to call these true parables, illustrations that we can relate to in our daily life. The second genre is story parables. These do not uh, rely on an obvious truth, Kistermacher says, or a generally accepted custom. And so these story parables are different than true parables and that they're kind of um, stretching it a little bit. You know, a good example of this might be uh, when the judge pronounces judgment to a persistent widow. It's not necessarily a true story. Uh, It's not something that we can draw from in our daily life. Uh, None of us um, need be a judge or a widow to understand this story, though, right? We can see that it is a story parable. The last one is an illustration, an example story used to get a point across or to stretch our heart and our mind to challenge us. A couple examples might be the Good Samaritan or the rich man and Lazarus. These weren't necessarily uh, individuals by name. The Good Samaritan isn't given a name in that story. And so this illustration is used to teach um, a story, to teach a point without being um, necessarily true. It's an illustration. And this differs, Kistermacher says, from a story in that it deals with the character of an individual and sets up an example to be either avoided or imitated. And so we will look at this story and we'll say, how should I imitate or avoid imitating that individual in that story, whether that individual was a real person or not? And so here are three genres we can use to categorize these. And the, the interesting part here is uh, Kishimacher doesn't believe this to be a hard science. He doesn't say that every parable will fit in one of these. As a matter of fact, they may bleed over and, and it may be very confusing if you try to do that. Um, put everything in one category. However, we can look at these parables and we can be encouraged that we, we can put them in these categories. And I think it's very helpful to understand these genres so that when we interpret the parables, we get a better feel for what Jesus is trying to convey. But what are the purposes of these parables? What is Jesus trying to get across? Why does Jesus speak in parables? Maybe a better way to put that, right? If it's not a story to tell something that happened, if it's not um, historical, if it's not uh, something that Jesus is using to uh, draw attention to a specific individual, what is its purpose? And we talked a moment ago about Jesus using this for his disciples so that they may be uh, trained and taught. And if you go to Matthew 13, Matthew chapter 13, verses 10 through 16, Jesus explains what the purpose of the parables is. Why does Jesus use the parable? In the middle of telling this parable of the sower that we'll, uh, we'll learn about and read about next time, Jesus says to his disciples, This is why I am doing parables. In verse 10, the disciples come to him and they ask, the context here to get the picture, Jesus is in a boat and he's on the lake and the crowd is gathered on the shore and he's using maybe the water to amplify, just drawing a distance between himself and the crowd. But he's teaching through parables 
to this crowd on the shore. And as soon as he gets done with the parable of the sower, his disciples turn to him and say, Why do you speak to them in parables? Matthew 13, verse 10. And Jesus responds in verse 11 to say, To you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been given. For to the one who has, more will be given, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. This is why I speak to them in parables, because seeing they do not see, and hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. Indeed, in their case, the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled that says, You will indeed hear, but never understand, and you will indeed see, but never perceive. For this people's heart has grown dull, and with their ears they can barely hear, and their eyes they have closed, lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears, and understand with their heart and turn, and I would heal them. But blessed are your eyes, for they see and your ears, for they hear. So the stories, the parables that Jesus is telling, is for the disciples. They are a way of Jesus telling a story and teaching and, and, and discipling these folks by giving them an understanding of what the kingdom is. And he says to the disciples, this is for you, not for them. The parables then are very restrictive. They're not meant for everyone. It's different than a story, yet it's meant to connect with the common man through imagery and storytelling. Simon Kistemacher again says Jesus was fully acquainted with human life in its multiple ways and means. So Jesus understood from a human perspective, being fully man, that you must understand and, and teach through experience. The best way to learn is through experience. And so Jesus takes these parables in a very experiential way and presents them so that those who have ears to hear may learn. Now there's a word we use for the teaching of scripture. Uh, we use the word doctrine and I know it sounds like a big word but doctrine simply means the teaching, the teaching of the faith, the teaching of Christianity. These doctrines then are made very simple through these parables. A way of understanding something that may sound lofty, sound big, teaching it in a very practical way. That's what a parable is doing. Kistemacher again says Jesus taught the parables to communicate the message of salvation in a clear and simple manner. It's so that people who may not have an education can understand. It's so maybe even children can understand this. Yet at the same time, these parables weren't for everyone. We see that very clearly laid out. Jesus turns to his disciples and says, For you this has been given. To you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been given. And then he goes on and quotes this Isaiah passage and talks about how minds have been dulled, their eyes cannot see, hearts hard. And then he goes on into this passage of Isaiah and uses this portion of scripture to show us how their eyes have become blind, their hearts have been dulled, they cannot hear the things of God, the kingdom of heaven is not for them. And so one of the things we need to understand about parables is they are meant to be restrictive. They are meant for those who have ears to hear. And we will see that as we go through the parables. Now, we might think about this as rather harsh, right? Imagine if you went to a movie theater and as you sat down with your popcorn and your soda, uh, someone would say to you, a director of the movie would stand up at the beginning and introduce the movie. 
And he might say, some of you are not going to understand what you're about to see. Some of you aren't going to get it. Now, I know some of us would sit there because of the challenge, uh, and we take uh, everything as a challenge, and so we would sit there in defiance. Others of us, though, uh, we might get up and walk out and, and try to get a refund. How dare this man say I not understand what he's about to present. But yet here, Jesus, in a very plain way, is giving us a very simple meaning through telling parables, teaching his disciples. And it's not for everyone. Jesus is very plain that these parables are intentionally restrictive. We see that in Matthew 13. He even says to his disciples, But blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. For truly I say to you, many prophets and righteous people long to see what you see and did not see it, and to hear what you hear and did not hear it. How are we to take this? How are we to receive what we just heard? That the parables are restricted. The parables aren't for everyone. That everyone who picks up the Bible and reads a parable uh, isn't going to get it. Everyone who was standing on the shore as Jesus was teaching in this parable, not everyone got it. You see, Jesus here is in the kingdom of heaven beginning to separate the wheat and the chaff. Verses 15 and 16 show a sharp distinction, a very sharp distinction in the kingdom of God. For they do not, they cannot, but blessed are your eyes, he says to his disciples. So the parables are teachings for the disciples, for God's people. It's not a tool for evangelism. It's not a, a way to bring people in through stories and get them excited and, and to appeal to their emotions. And no, as a matter of fact, it may very well turn them off if they are to hear these parables. Yet, we know that it is for his disciple. And if we are a disciple, we can come to these parables and we know that his Holy Spirit gives us discernment to interpret and understand these. And as disciples, we can agree this is meant for our sanctification. This is meant for our growth. R.T. France, again in his commentary, says, Here we find people divided sharply into two groups, the enlightened disciples and the others who cannot grasp the truth, however much they see and hear, unless Jesus opens their eyes and their ears to his very word. This way of teaching uh, through parables was very special for the disciples of Jesus' time. They were the ones who would become the witnesses to this truth. They were the ones that would write down what they heard Jesus teach. And they would take these um, teachings and they would hand them down, be entrusted with writing them down. And the scripture that we read today, written by their very hand, although in a different language and interpreted by other men, that language captured the words of Jesus Christ. Those writings captured what Jesus Christ taught in these parables. And as you look at these parables, you will see and hear the words of Christ through the witnesses of those disciples that Jesus was speaking to in that very boat. And in that, it was handed down for us to understand the disciples today. So when we look at parables, the teaching was not simply for those disciples, but for the disciples today, all who have ears to hear, who Jesus has come in and changed your heart so it's no longer dull, has given you eyes to see as he did with Paul, the apostle on the road to Damascus, so that we may understand these parables. One of the ways we need to start by coming to these parables is asking Jesus to give us eyes to see and ears to hear, that he may open our hearts so they're not dull, so that we may understand and read what he is saying. God is giving his word, his teaching, his doctrine 
through special revelation for those who are part of his kingdom. God closes the eyes and the ears of people, yet he also opens the eyes and the ears of others. Isn't it interesting, at the end of verse 15, what Jesus says, and I think this is very important for us to capture. He says in verse 15, for his people's heart has grown dull, and with their ears they can barely hear, and their eyes they have closed. Lest, he says, they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their heart and turn, and I would heal them. What Jesus is saying here is the words and the parables that I am speaking and teaching can very well draw men to repentance. The parables can, left open-ended and giving us an option of um, imitating or making a choice in how we are to respond, that in in God's work, in God's kingdom, is met with repentance. And when one turns and repents, Jesus has no other option but to heal them. Jesus was sent for the reconciliation between man and God. So Jesus uses his words very carefully. Now, France, R.T. France, in his commentary again, speaks about this. Uh, What do we do with this? How are we to understand this? Um, And he gives us a, a positive spin on interpreting this restrictive parable, the parables that are meant for only certain individuals. We could look at this and say, well, that's not very fair to those that um, hear it but don't understand or don't have eyes, don't have ears. That's one way to look at that. But uh, France gives us a better perspective here, I think. He says, focus on the positive blessing of God's gift of knowledge graciously made available. The fact that Jesus turns in the boat to disciples and gives the truth to somebody, these specific men, should show us God's grace. That God is graciously giving knowledge to some. It also, he says, should show us the sovereignty of God. If we focus on the sovereignty of God, that nothing that happens can happen without God then this makes sense, that if God doesn't open the eyes or the ears of the hearer, then they will not hear. If it were up to me whether or not I should hear, then of course I would choose to hear. But the sinful heart cannot choose. And unless God is involved, unless God opens the eyes and sharpens the heart, then they cannot see or hear what Jesus is saying. It shows us God not only in his grace, but in his sovereignty. And, France says, when set to parables, there allows a positive response by some. In other words, when the parable is spoken, there is an open-endedness in which the hearer, if given the eyes and the ears to see and hear, it's left for a positive response. In other words, some can hear and follow and believe. That they can turn and repent and Jesus heal them. And he also says to remember that where there are insiders and outsiders, it is presumably always possible for an outsider to become an insider. The kingdom of heaven comes and brings healing to a broken world to reconcile God with man. And in this offering through parables, there is an opportunity for repentance and belief in faith in what Jesus is saying. That those who were 
outsiders not able to hear can become insiders able to hear through this interaction with Jesus. So this shows us the grace that God is extending to his people. This shows us that God is opening the eyes and the ears of some individuals. And so as we go through the parables, I want us to be encouraged that God is offering us the words of Christ that we may turn and believe, that we may be healed by Jesus through these very parables. That if we are an outsider and he has given us ears and eyes to hear and see, that we may become insiders. And so as we look at the parables, I want to encourage us to take very seriously our understanding of interpretation. How do we read these parables? How should we understand these parables? You know, one of the ways that has been um, an interpretive approach for many, many years is uh, allegory. Uh, We look at these as allegorical and somehow uh, we're, we're to extrapolate a meaning from these. But these are different from allegory, and there's, there's a reason we need to understand this. This is not just symbolism uh, in a story, and we take this or that. Because what happens when we do that is we end up all over the place, right? You have people who take one story, and, well, this is, what al- this is how I see it. It means this for me. And, and you can take that, and, and, and that fits the pluralistic world in which we live today. However, that's not the intent, and that's not how we should read the parables. The parables are very instructive and they have a very simple meaning one meaning that we are to gain from each one and Kistemacher warns about this an allegory is something like pilgrim's progress or the chronicles of narnia where one thing is like the other but it's not a one-to-one correlation well that would exclude some of the true parables the story parables where there is a one-to-one correlation where we can understand And so we need to look at a few things that Kistermacher reminds us when we look at interpreting parables. We need to understand the historical setting. This is something we'll do as we go through these parables. Uh, The interpreter, he says, ought to make a study of the historical setting of the parable, including a detailed analysis of the religious, social, political, and geographical circumstances revealed in the parable. We look at all of those things, and we then have a better understanding of how to interpret this very passage. We are to look at the literary setting, the literary and grammatical structure of the parable. Uh, How was it written? How was it spoken? What was being said? What was being taught? And what are the words that are being used? You, You know, one of the hard parts that we have today is really understanding in our English versions what some Greek words and what Hebrew words meant. And we're going to look at that as we go through these parables. I'm going to draw your attention to some of the different uses of the words in Greek and Hebrew and so on and so forth. And that will help us in our understanding. The other thing he says that we should do is make sure that the main point that we get out of this parable, whatever that main point is, that it matches with the rest of Scripture that it's also taught elsewhere by Jesus himself or by the apostles, that it's to be understood as the main teaching. And lastly, we should see that there is a practical application for each reader today, that if we do have eyes to see and ears to hear and God has given us hearts to understand, then there is a practical application, that we don't just walk away as if this is a good story and that we've rightly categorized it, put it in a genre, we understand the setting, 
but that we have an application, that we apply it to our daily life. What does this mean for me? Am I the good Samaritan? Am I then, by inference, the bad Samaritan? Am I the one who walked past a man in need? And so these are the things that we're going to look at as we interpret the parables. And I hope that you find this very helpful and that you are encouraged by this. But here are a few takeaways as we prepare to depart this lesson. First, uh, in God's kingdom, people respond differently to the words of Christ. That when you see and hear what Jesus has said, when you look at Scripture, what God has written and spoken through his prophets, that people will respond differently. Some will receive it and understand it and even apply it to their own life, but others will hear and not understand. Well, in this, we're also reminded of God's sovereignty. God uses the words of Jesus to open the eyes and the ears of his elect. This is how God's kingdom works. That those that are called by his name, those that he is saving, those that he is drawing um, out of the depths of hell and preparing them for salvation, he uses the words of Christ. And in his sovereignty, he draws people to himself and opens their ears and their eyes so that they may see and hear and understand. So it's very important for us to understand the parables and God's sovereignty. And when we hear them, uh, at the end of the day, we are tested in our own heart. We are tested deep down inside as a disciple. How do I compare or how do I apply this parable to my life? Wilkins, a commentator on this very passage in Matthew, says that these parables are to test the heart of the listener. They are to give instruction, he says, to responsive disciples. So if we are going to look at these parables, we must also look at the practical application for our life. So here's what we can do as we come back together and look at these parables one by one. First of all, I would ask that you pray that God would give you understanding, that he would open your eyes and open your ears, that you may hear and see the truth that Jesus is proclaiming and the teaching that we have for our life. And then I would ask that you, as you hear that, that you take the parable and that you test your own heart and let it instruct you, that you would test your own heart and let it instruct you. You would let that very passage, the words of Jesus Christ, impact your heart, your mind, your soul, so that we may sit at the feet of the Master and be disciples of Jesus Christ. Join me as we look at the parables next time. <music>